You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about self-published books and interviewing author Leslie Penelope. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Well, we're hosting a talk with Paul Tremblay in July... I don't know what month it is now. In July and next I'm, month, what, next yeah, month when this comes out. Yeah, and I am reading uh, the cabin at the end of the world. Is that what it's called? Yeah, great. Um, it is so scary that I've only been reading it during the day. So it's taking me a minute to get through because I read it, and then once the night falls, I am put that book down and go read something lighter because it oh, is yeah. very dark. It's heavy as fuck. Yeah, and I don't know what to say like without getting. Uh, if you like Paul Tremblay, I think you'll like it. I loved Headful of Ghosts. Um, I, I I will. I don't. I don't know what, what to say without giving it away. But basically, it's like there's a couple, um, a gay male couple, and they are on like a vacation with their adopted daughter, and they're in this cabin that has, of course, no cell reception, no Wi-Fi, and some people show up, and. It basically, there's trigger warnings for a lot of things. Trigger warnings for, like, home invasion. Trigger warnings for, like, being worried about your kid. Homophobia. There's just, I mean, like, it's, I'm not that, I'm about a quarter of the way through. Maybe a little further than that. But, um, it is, uh, yeah, it's hard to read, but it's very scary. So if you like scary books, man, this it is, is really this is the go-to. Intense. It already got option to be a movie. Yeah. I, I Googled something about it, and it's, like, it got option to be a movie, like, before, I mean, it hasn't come out yet. Yeah. It will come out. It comes out in June. Yeah, it comes out June 18th, I want to yeah. say. But mm-hmm. so we're, if you live in LA, we are live. It's our first live event. We're mm-hmm. in conversation with Paul at the last bookstore, July uh, 1st, Sunday night. Uh, if you want to reserve a ticket, that give, guarantees you a copy of the book. Um, and I'm a, like, full disclosure, like, Paul is a friend, but this is, so I feel weird be like, praising this book so much, but it's already my favorite book He's of not the year. my friend, and I will praise him. Oh, well, you can do it. <laughs> He's my enemy. He's my sworn enemy, so show up and see how we're going to fight at this at the last bookstore. I'm just kidding. I'm sure Bria with a gigantic pair of boxing gloves. Uh, when Paul sent me, when the, when the advanced review copies came out for this, and Paul sent me when I, like, dropped the book that I was reading to read this book, and I read it in two sittings. It is so intense. It's it is a really intense read, so like know that. But it, it's just so compelling, and, the, and, and it's I also love told, the ending so much. Oh, cool! It's also told from the point of view of the three main characters: yeah. the couple and the daughter. Um, and like it's interesting because like from the daughter's point of view, who's like I don't know how old she's supposed to be, like eight or something, like young. Yeah, you know everything is very different. So it's 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 really fascinating. It's a really good book. What are you reading? Uh, I am reading a book called Demigods by Eliza Robertson. And also, again, sorry for all the trigger warnings this episode, folks, but um, this is uh, a very heavy book. I can tell already. I just started it. I'm only a few chapters in, but it's in the 50s. And this uh, told from the point of view of this daughter, I think she's a nine, she's nine and her mom's boyfriend, they're staying in their like vacation house with her mom and, and her and her siblings and her mom's boyfriend comes with his two sons and her older sister ends up sort of shacking up with the older son. So she's sort of left to hang out with the younger son. And right off the bat, this kid is like really creepy mm. and like he's like killing moths with a magnifying glass. Oh. And I don't know what happens because I'm only a few chapters in, but apparently some sort of weird sexual stuff happens. And like then flash forward to her as an adult and like her reckoning with how her relationship with this kid 
uh, all the trauma that she had had uh, experienced with him as a child affects her later in her life and how it shapes her life. Uh, and that's a subject that I'm very, very interested in. Uh, so, and the book is very well written. Like right off the bat, I'm super unco- like very uncomfortable. The writing is great, hmm. um, but it's got a cool cover too. The cover like looks like it's like a no, 1950s fifth- ad. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful cover. So, uh, yeah, just uh, know that you're getting into some heavy shit with this book. Uh, but I really like it so far. Cool. Uh, so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback from our book apps episode. Uh, Actually, I'm going to have Bria do this because she was so excited (laughs) about this. Uh, So Shannon wrote in and said, you mentioned Hoopla, which I recently started using, and it's really great. I also recently started using RB Digital, which mostly deals with magazines that you can check out from your library. I basically use mine as a Nat Geo app, uh, but they have tons of other magazines to check out as well. They also have audiobooks. My library uses Freegal Music and Indie Flicks. I haven't used them, but I imagine they'd be good if you don't subscribe to a music or movie service already. Also, I finally got my book wheelhouse thought out. Here's what their book wheelhouse is. Coming-of-age stories for children in YA, graphic novels, especially nonfiction, magical realism, memoirs, hard sci-fi, nonfiction about birds... (laughs) For some reason, the nonfiction about birds, just like, Bria could not stop laughing about I this. literally, I was reading this, and I started laughing so hard, because I was like, well, first you of all, texted me, and it's you were so like, specific. have you seen this wheelhouse? It's nonfiction about birds. It's like, not just books about birds. It's nonfiction about you gotta birds. Gotta get those bird facts. So, uh, let me just tell you the rest of them. Monstrous horses, also very funny. Faye, LGBT characters, complex villains. No antagonist, just internal conflict. So I wrote Shannon back and was like... Bria was so... This is probably <laughs> Bria's favorite wheelhouse ever. And I was like, I'm really thinking about the specificity of nonfiction about it, birds. I will tell you, it, it's a very rare treat to get an email, a, specific, a personal email from Bria. Well, I, get, I don't look at the emails, guys. Uh, I stay off the internet not as much as I can. But I was like, Mallory, I gotta log in and, and write this person back. So I wrote back and was like, can you please tell me some books about nonfiction birds? Nonfiction books about birds. Some nonfiction birds. <laughs> it's so funny to me. I don't know why. And Shannon actually sent you a picture of a stack of bird books. Stack of bird books. Not only that, but um, these were the nonfiction birds' suggestions. Literally, they just got four bird books from a bookstore in, in one night. Sent a photo of those. Um, anything by John James Audubon is amazing. They, they said, um, one thing I can think of is Alex and Me by Irene Pepperberg. It's about an animal psychologist. Um, I'm just going to read it because it's such a good email. It's about an animal psychologist researching and working with Alex the African gray parrot for 30 years. African grays are incredibly smart birds and can show skills similar to small children. So this book covers Pepperberg's experience working with Alex and his intelligence and unique quirks. Unfortunately, Alex died prematurely. He was 31. African Greys can live up to 60 years, which is crazy. And his last words to Pepperberg were, you be good, see you tomorrow, I love you. Which is... Yeah, I think you need to read some bird books. Well, I'm obsessed with this one bird on the internet, on Instagram, so this, like, really all hit me at the same time where I was laughing about this bird I feel like thing, we and found this email Bria's, a, Like, we found a secret room in Bria's wheelhouse. Shannon, I just am very happy about this email. I, I know. <laughs> you know what you should read? It's H's for Hawk by Helen McDonald. That's another one they suggested. Yeah, I love I, that book. I like bird books. I, I don't know if I've ever read a bird book. I think you got to start. 
Well, I probably read some non some fiction ones, but the nonfiction. You got to dip your toe in there. Oh, I man. think I think this is a, a hidden. What hidden a funny, gem for you. amazing! It's just the specificity of it made me laugh really hard. Comedy is in specificity. You know, that's the key. The key and the key to my heart really is the specificity about books. Anyway, thank you so much for this email. It really brightened my day yesterday, and I spent a lot of time laughing about it. Not that you're. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at nonfiction books about birds. <laughs> Which is very funny. That's the beauty of being a reader is the weird special things that we love. And thank you for responding to my email. (laughs) So Sarah writes in, I used Book Out for several months, and while the timed portion made me anxious at first, I quickly got used to it and loved the little graphics that the app made. After a little while, I tired of that and started using Leo. That's L-E-I-O. Thanks to Rachel for introducing me to this. I like Leo a lot more for a few reasons. You have the option to post your progress to your Goodreads account after every reading session. Uh, When e-reading, it allows you to use locations instead of percentages, which I find to be more accurate. Uh, most of the books I read are library books and need to be finished by a set date. You can input into Leo when you want to finish a certain book, and it will tell you how much you have to read per day to get it done by your stop date. It can also give you notifications for this. I love all these features so much, and they made me, made the switch worth it. It helps me make sure I get all of my books read before they need to be returned, and I don't have to worry about updating my Goodreads. Just another suggestion for readers who might enjoy something like this. Sarah, that's awesome. I downloaded it, so oh, we'll nice. see how, how it goes. I downloaded it because I liked the idea of it telling me how much I needed to read before my stop date. That's helpful to a library user. Um, Amber writes and says, I just wanted to share that as an option to disrupt Amazon, Kobo and Libro.fm do the same thing as Kindle and Audible, but your purchases support independent bookstores. Also, wanted to share that I absolutely love Libib. That's L-I-B-I-B. It has helped me immensely to prevent duplicate purchases since I shop at a lot of thrift stores and use bookstores. I use use it to keep ca- uh, track of my movies as well. Do you use that, Libib? Uh, yeah. I When I was testing out library apps, we, we started doing our library with um, Libib, but I ended up using library thing instead. Got it. I actually went and checked this out because I was like, oh, you're right, I am using Amazon. And this is like one of those things that it was just easy. So I yeah. started using it because it was That's easy. That's how Amazon gets you. I know. And I checked it out. And not only can you do all the same things on the Kobo, the Kobo, Kobo, who knows what you call it. Um, You actually, it looks like you don't have to go to the library. Right now, I have to go to the library app and then send it to my Kindle. Apparently, you can go to the library app from the Kobo. So that's what one of the reviews said. I just got this new Kindle. But my Kindles die within about a year to two years. My Kindles die pretty quickly because I use them so much and I'm rough on anything I own. Maybe about two years. So I'm going to do Kobo. He also uses them as a snack plate. (laughs) I use them as a throwing star. (laughs) Anybody comes to the Malachi when he's too annoying. Um, So I'm going to check out this Kobo. Uh, Amber convinced me. Wow. Thanks, Amber. Uh, So you can always email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk about self-published books, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part by StoryWorth. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts. Here's how it works. First, you purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They simply reply to this email with their story, or they can record it over the phone. And after a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. It is a great gift for Father's Day, even if it's last minute. You can order it online right now, It'll be a, and it will go straight to them, the email, they'll get it. Um, I had a great experience with StoryWorth. I got it for my mom, and I asked her to talk about her experience, and here is her talking about her experience. Okay, Bria, I really hate doing this. I'm hoping you can make my voice sound like Lauren Bacall or someone else. I love StoryWorth. 
I had heard it advertised on NPR, and when Bria gave it to me, I was thrilled. Each week, she selects a question for me to answer, and StoryWorth sends me an email. I just type my story into the body of the email and send it in. If I want to attach a picture, I can do that too. There's also an app. It's easy to use, and the couple of times that I had a question, the StoryWorth team responded right away. I'm really looking forward to seeing the finished book with my stories and pictures at the end of the year. In fact, I liked it so much, I gave StoryWorth to my siblings for Christmas. I could choose whether they saw each other's answers now and argue about them, or if they had to wait until the finished book. That was my choice. If they don't want to answer a question, they can actually skip that week or choose another question or even make up their own. And the StoryWorth team even reached out to me to ask how they could help my lazy brother keep up with answering his questions. It's fun to answer the question each week. It allows me to remember and reflect on things that have happened in my life. I really wish I had had StoryWorth before my mom and dad died. There are hundreds of questions. I wish I had asked them. So for $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com slash reading glasses when you subscribe. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Oh, good oh, stuff. Man, every time. Uh, well, I hope that you're enjoying this podcast you're listening to as much as we are pretending to. But anyway, why not listen to another podcast, too? It's called The Flop House. And on our podcast, uh, we have recently watched a movie, often a bad movie, and we review it on our podcast, but mainly talk about other stuff and, I don't know, hang out. It's all about hanging out, feeling you're, like you're being with your best friends. Who are your best friends? Us three. Dan McCoy, <laughs> Emmy Award-winning writer for The Daily Show, Stuart Wellington, owner of the best bar in Brooklyn, Hinterlands, and Elliot Kalin, former Emmy-winning head writer for The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, former head writer of Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return, uh, so many things. Author of the upcoming children's book, All right, Dog. that's enough. The Elliot's credits just go on and on. Yeah, but if you like the idea of listening to three funny guys talk about bad movies, then why not come over and listen to The Flop House? It's uh, available at MaximumFun.org or wherever fine podcasts are found. So get out of here. It's all about self-published books. We've talked a lot about traditionally published books on the show, but there are a lot of alternatives to traditional publishing, and therefore, a lot of books that aren't traditionally published. A couple of facts about self-published books. The number of self-published books climbed 8% last year, which is, you know, uh, a, a lot, but not a ton. But since 2011, it has climbed over 200%, which is a lot. That's a lot of self-published books. That's a lot. So what does self-publishing mean? It's sort of what you'd expect. It's a book that you publish yourself. But instead of getting an agent and selling the book to a publisher, you skip all that process. There are a bunch of different self-publishing platforms for ebooks and print books or both. Uh, Amazon's CreateSpace is probably the most popular, but there are many others uh, like Lulu uh, Checkout. Um, a little more like shitting on Amazon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from what I've read, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm sure we have way more self-published people. I don't have experience in this. Um, but if you self-publish your book, your ebook on Amazon, you are exclusive to them. So you can't publish it anywhere else, which is kind of crazy. They often um, will put you in a Kindle Unlimited, too, which means you make less money, because that's when the people subscribe and they get like these thousands of books for free, um, which I don't subscribe to that, but I think a lot of people do. 
other things that people do, people, Amazon will do this or people will do it themselves where they offer their books for free and get buzzed that way or offer them for like a low price. But and Amazon does encourage that, which is helpful, but also it means you're not making the full price of your yeah. book. So I don't really know. Um, honestly, if you Google self-published books. There's you, a lot of resources online if you yeah. are interested in, in being a self-published author. But the main advice people give you is don't do it for money. Because I do think it is very hard to make money, although some people do. It's like, any, it's, it's like any art. It's very, very difficult for you. Like, you know, I sold my book last year and... People, people like so many people, are like I want to be an author. It's like the money that I made off of my book advance, like I would be living in a cardboard box. Not that yeah. I'm not happy to get that money, and I'm very, very lucky. But uh, don't you, can, you don't like wake up tomorrow morning and be like I'm gonna I'm gonna change careers and be a self published author. It's like any creative stuff. You have to build 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 up your career. It's not something that you can just like start making a ton of money on. Right, and self published self published books are not getting an advance so like that's even more like insane um i mean i don't i like this is not to discourage anyone from doing it because i totally think everyone should publish i think people should make art i i love it but i do think um you have to be there was a while in like the early ni- late nineties, early two thousands, where people were like, "If you want to make quick money, just start a blog, and you can sell ads, and it's such a thing." Which because it was like early internet, yeah. not early internet, but early where everyone's getting access to it. And for a while, that was like actually good advice. Like people could make money, but it was like maybe a one month period, and then everyone got blogs, and no one made money on them. There's tons of great success stories though. Like it's so fun to go read them because it's like people who do like really specific stuff, people who fill a niche a, a niche that was not being filled, like, those people do go on and do well. I mean, there yeah, are so well, many success stories. I mean, there's no, there's no difference. Like, you're not all... Being a self-published... There's a lot of snootiness about self-published authors and, you know, doing it yourself because you're not going through the vetting process of being a traditional published author, but it's it's like anything, you know? Good, self, like, popular self-published authors who make a living off that, it's because they're great writers and they're really good at being self-published authors. You have to do your research. It's a career. It's like a, it's not something you could just be like, well, I'm just going to throw together something and, and sell it on Amazon. Like, it, it takes a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, I, in a, you know, it is a great privilege to be able to have an, a publisher. You know, yeah. a, lot, oh, you know a lot of people don't have that access, so... It is. It is definitely a path. So let's talk about the traditional pub, uh, how it's. Let's talk about the publishing process. So the process can be very similar to to traditionally publishing a book, but only with this. You you like you're in you're in control here. You write the book, and if you want, you can publish it as it is, or you can hire an ed- editor, hire a copy editor, hire a book cover designer, hire a publicist. The downside is that you're paying for all of this yourself, while the upside is that you keep all the profits when, when the book is eventually available to buy. The toughest part is getting the word out there. Uh, many major literary publications won't review self-published books, and it, it's expensive to pay for book marketing. I think we talked a little bit about this on our uh, New York Times bestseller list episode where a lot of bestseller lists don't include self-published books yeah that's crazy yeah so um because of this diy process self-published books can get a bad rap because there isn't like an official quality control process like there is with traditionally published books mm. and there are a lot of self-published books out there that don't have have high quality covers or copy edits but and, and yep and by the way in our interview in a second which everyone should totally listen to if you're in- interested in self-publishing um leslie talked about how she hired someone for all of this stuff and yeah. she treated it like a traditional co- uh uh, publishing deal. Anyway. Yeah. But 
there are a lot of books out there that are fantastic. The wonderful thing about self-published books is that there are many books about and by marginalized voices that were turned down by traditional publishers that became available as self-published books. So don't turn your nose up at them. Like there's a, this self-publishing has become like a really great place for not only marginalized voices, but also like romance. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot of amazing, like a lot of genres, a lot of like places that like people get turned down or, you know, people are snooty about or people are just like, you know, the gatekeep there there are gatekeepers that won't let you in like self-publishing has become a really amazing thing for the yeah. literary community and look there are people out there they want to watch two werewolf read about two werewolves fucking or something so you Sing. have to plus a lot of authors nowadays are both like really popular authors that are like have traditional publishing deals like chuck wendig friend of the show gail carriger uh she uh speaking of two werewolves fucking they have self-published books available along with their published works yeah uh we just had brian mcclellan on the show and he has uh tr- traditionally published books but he also he self-publishes novellas that take place in the same world of his traditionally published novels so it's like, fascinating lo- so if you love that book you can go and like look up those novellas and keep and keep saying hanging out in that universe oh totally so the, like the line is a lot uh the uh, the in-between is a lot more gray than people think it is yeah Plus, you may have read a self-published book and not even known it. The Martian by Andy Weir, which is one of the biggest books of the past few years, started out as a self-published book. Uh, Wool by Hugh Howey. They both started out as self-published books that were then that got so popular, then they got picked up as by big traditional publishers. Which is happening more and more. There's a lot of stories. I was about to call them success stories, but I don't think you have to be picked up by a big publisher to be a success. I think you can be an oh, indie yeah. self-published author and still feel, and that's... Look, writing a book is fucking hard. So, like, Amen. If, if you finish a book, you put it out there in the world, you are a success. Like, I truly believe that because that's so hard. Like, thinking about writing a book is so scary to me because it just is, like, it's so much work. Yep. So, I, I think that, look, there are all these stories where, like, and then it was made into a Hollywood movie and Ben Affleck was put in it or whoever was in The Martian. It wasn't Ben Affleck. Uh, the other dude. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg. It's not Mark Wahlberg either. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's uh, Matt Damon. Thank you. Wow. Matt Damon. He, they all look the he, same. He grew potatoes in his own poop. And like there's a whole. <laughs> I watched the movie and I read the book. Actually, I didn't I, finish the book. It was too scary. Oh, I never read the book. It's, I, you it's know, very good. And I read his new book and it was great. Not self-published. Poop, um, poop potatoes. Those poop potatoes. Oof, gross. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, there are these stories. But I do think. I want, I bet there's like. Oh, we didn't look. I didn't look into this. But I bet there's communities for self-published books like no there are a lot of like Wattpad there's there's tons of really great writing communities and communities for self-published authors like the reason why I'm a traditionally published author is because like I didn't want to do all of that work. No, it's a lot like of work. I am like, but I had to make that decision to be like, do I want to give up like a big chunk of the profits from the book that I'm going to write? And the answer was yes, because I'm like, I I don't have, I don't didn't want to do all that marketing, do right. all that editing. But self published authors are fucking rock stars. Yeah, you're gonna have a, it's it's a, you're taking on a second and probably third job to do it. You, you are like, like five like, thousand jobs. Not only are you a writer, now you're a publicist, and also you're you know you're doing all these things yourself, which. You know, anybody who's created their own stuff knows that this is what happens. You just become that person. But yep. it's – and with the internet, obviously, it's a little easier because you can put things out there. But, man, yeah, it seems like a tough fucking battle. And kudos to anyone who does it. So from not – less on the author side, more on the reader side – if you're interested in checking out some self-published books, self-published authors are also called indie authors. Uh, so search for indie authors on Goodreads to get started. You'll find an awesome list of, oh, cool. and, and like of any genre you could think of. And like, you know, you can also go to a book fair 
You know, mm. there's a, a lot of independent authors uh, go and they have they get a booth at like the L.A. Times Book Festival and that and they like, you know, set up set up all their books and they sit there and talk to fans and talk to readers. And it's a really cool way to go and like see see indie authors. And if you have questions about being a self-published author or finding more self-published books as a reader they're a great resource same with conventions for um for comics for yeah. self-published comics same like there'll be people set up with their booth and this is the comic they do and they just do this one comic because that's the one yeah. that they can do you know and it's and it's fun to beat them and you often find often will find really cool stories in those comics oh totally this don't forget yeah don't forget uh self-published comics too uh a friend of mine tim vergulish he has self-published his comic the goat man love it or it's i think it's just goat man and it's fantastic it's about what you would expect it is a goat man great very up. Bottom my, half is goat or up half? Uh, top, top half is top goat. Half. Up half or bottom? Up half. is up half. <laughs> up half is goat, and then it got man legs. Yeah, man legs. Wow. And does he wear pants? Yes. Pants? It's not like a Winnie the Pooh situation. It's like a reverse Winnie. <laughs> you know, uh, do you know that when you walk around with no pants and just a shirt on, it's called Donald Ducking? Uh, why not Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Poohing is so much cuter than Donald Ducking. <gasps> Can I just tell you my biggest problem with Winnie the Pooh? Better not be too silly. No. <laughs> One star, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, what if he's Winnie the Pooh, so he's a Pooh, why do we call him Pooh and not Winnie? We call him Pooh Bear. Yeah, but he's Winnie the Pooh. He's a Pooh. I see what His you're His name is Winnie. Why don't we call him Winnie? What do you call everyone else? Everyone is you just call them the thing that they are in that world, though. But Does that mean they all have first names? <laughs> yeah. Piglets is... I've been thinking about Arthur this the since I was, like, three years old. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> That's a lot of time to be thinking about Winnie the Pooh. I still don't have answers. So send your thoughts on self-published books or why Winnie is called Pooh and not Winnie to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to author Leslie Penelope, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, you, with the headphones. Just between you and me, the MaxFun store just got some of that sweet, sweet new merchant stock. You know, that merch from your favorite MaxFun shows? Could be posters, tote bags, shirts, stickers, patches, aprons. We got it all. Well... We got a lot. Point is, there's some new stuff. Go to maxfunstore.com. So here we are with author Leslie Penelope. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Leslie, what are you reading right now? Last night, I just finished this great book, All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. Oh, we love that book. Yeah, it was so trippy and cool. But um, yeah, I literally just finished it. Oh, awesome. Uh, so can you tell us about your book? Sure. Um, Song of Blood and Stone is uh, the first book in the Earthsinger Chronicles. And it's an epic fantasy with romance. It's about a girl who is an outcast in her country. She's basically, she's biracial, and these two countries have been at war for five centuries. And she, uh, she saves the life of, a, of an injured spy. And then they have to go on this whole journey um, to stop this war from happening, the new war between their two countries. And so this whole episode is about um, self-publishing, and you originally released the book on your own, and everyone just loved it. Can you tell us about that process? Sure. Yeah, I'd always done a lot of DIY stuff. So when I was working on this book and it looked like I was going to be able to finish it, um, I thought, well, why not just self-publish it? Because I'd been researching it for a long time, and I, I, you know, I had done a lot of DIY art projects before. So it, it seemed like a, you know, just a thing to do. And um, and I was really interested in, in the whole process. So I, I like was looking up cover designers and editors because I really wanted it to 
be as indistinguishable as possible from a traditionally published book. So I wanted to be super pro. And um, I took a lot of time researching the people I was going to work with, because even though it's self-publishing, you still need other people. Like I, I still needed to work with an editor and a professional cover designer. And I really enjoyed the process. And so I did get really good feedback from people um, reading the book. It, I entered it in... Um, some contests, and I won an award from the the uh, Black Caucus of the ALA, the American Library Association. And so there's a lot of avenues uh, for self-publishers to try to get their work out there through, you know, getting reviews from people, from trying to get, um, you know, bloggers and reviewers to pay attention and, and, and spread the word. So the, this book got all this attention, and then after it was out, it got picked up by a major publisher. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was pretty surreal. So it had been out for about a year. And um, Monique Patterson, who's an editor at St. Martin's Press, just emailed me through my website contact form. And she had found the book online. And she's a big fantasy fan. So she actually just read it. And um, she read the two that were out at the time. And initially, she had contacted me about future work, about pitching her something new. And I pitched her a new series. And she really, she came back to me and she was like, I really love Song of Blood and Stone. And I think that I can you know introduce it to a wider audience. And so that is what happened. She was really interested in it. And I thought it was a great opportunity to you know just get it out there, get it into bookstores, and get more people to know about it. Um, so it was, it was, you know, the path. My path to publication was not the normal path necessarily. Um, it just kind of, it happened because I had put the work out there, and and people had, people were able to see it. You know, I mean, that's great. Our listeners are very interested in self publishing, so I think like that is this is all like super great information for people. That's fantastic. So, is there anything that people would be surprised to learn about being an author, putting your own stuff out there? When you're self-publishing, the thing, I mean, I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but it was still surprising how much work it was because it is all on you. Like you're hiring people for certain things. You're, you're learning how to do certain things yourself. And um, so you're basically, you know, a marketing department and you're doing PR and things that if you don't have an expertise in those things, then you're trying to get up to speed. And there's lots of information out there, but it's 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 almost like another full-time job, just the writing of the book and then the business side of it, the publishing of it and marketing and accounting and just running a whole small business for your books. Yeah. So tell us about your reading life. Do you have any reading quirks that you want to share with us? I love, as much as I love fantasy, I also love romance. And so when I'm reading romance, I'm I'm just like an emotional reader. It's all about my mood. So I'll be like, I'm in the mood for small town romance. And I'll read that for a couple of weeks or a month or so. And then I'll be in the mood for like a Regency. And then I'll just be in this Regency period where I'm reading nothing but historicals for a week or a couple of months. So that's kind of my quirkiness, just totally mood-based because reading is is kind of like just self-medication, you know, for me. Oh, we totally agree. That's amazing. So do you have a specific book that you like to gift to people? Usually, I don't generally give people fiction books, unless it's like a long running series. And I know, oh, you read the first five, the sixth one came out here's, you know, it's a gift. It's like your birthday or something. But there is a book that I've given out to a bunch of people, which is The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And um, it's just fantastic book about, um, breaking through creative blocks and, and, and for me, like solving writer's block, but for any creative person, I think it's really good. And so every, like just all the creative people in my life, one Christmas, I just bought a bunch of them and gave it to everyone because I just thought this book was so amazing. It's really short. It's really easy to read and really inspiring. We're both over here, like nodding our heads. Cause we both like that book. <laughs> oh yeah. 
Can you tell us about the continuation of your series? Sure. It's, it's going to be four books. And, um, so the, it's, it's, I envisioned it as this whole arc of, um, you start really small. So the book one takes place all in one country, but, um, there's going to be this war that has to happen. So we, um, you learn more about the world, you go to different countries and as these characters are, you know, are, are working to, to come together and fight off, um, different levels of evil. So I guess it's kind of a typical epic fantasy, but, um, it's, so book two is going to come out next spring and it's a parallel story to book one. And then as we kind of go, go through the rest of the series, it, it, um, just expands more and more in terms of this world. Yeah, there's, I mean, the book was super great and there's so much world building you had to do. Did you plan all that out? I mean, how do you do that? That just seems so intense to me. It it happens as I go. So I, I knew certain things about the world from the very beginning, from like the first idea I had of the story, but I do a lot of drafts. So each draft, things come into focus more and more for me. So at like draft five or six, you know, because when you're first writing, you get to a point and you're like, oh, well, how does the money work? Let me think about that. And then you write it a little bit more and you're like, oh, wait, what is the technology? And, and, and so the first couple of drafts are kind of just figuring out the lay of the land and then figuring out the detail in my head so that by the time I'm in the final edits, I know everything and I can make sure everything is um, seated properly and foreshadowed properly. And then all the details are there, but not, not too many, at least I have to know them, even if they're not on the page, you know? Right. Yeah. That's what, it seems like you had it all in your head. So it was like, as it unfolded, it was all very natural. Yeah. And I have a big story Bible where I keep all the details about, the world, all the countries, all of the characters, things like that. Like a map? It seems like you would need a map of the world, too. <laughs> I did. I drew a map. Absolutely. I had this big sketch. And I was even like using my ruler for the keys to figure out the distances because I needed to know how long it would take to travel, you know, things like that. I, I definitely did all of that detail work. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, Leslie, where can we find you online? My website is lpenelope.com. And that has all my social media and everything there. It's the best hub to find me at. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Holland writes in about our Clearing Off Your Shelves episode. How do you know if a book brings you joy if it's still to be read? This is like a really good chicken before the egg question. I know. Bria, so, what, what do you think? This is, let's remind everybody what this is. So in the episode, we said, if you look at this book and it gives you joy, you should keep it. That was our, our advice for cleaning off your shelves. And so this is a really good question. Um, we are literally saying judge this book by a cover, by its cover, and or the weight, or the book feel. Book feel is like mouthfeel. Mouthfeel is one of my least favorite words. What about feel, book feel? I'm fine with book feel, but mouthfeel, like, just someone is, seems, like, so lazy. Like, they couldn't come up with a cool word. <laughs> What's the stuff when, when, for when you feel in your mouth? So mouthfeel. Okay, cool. <laughs> and some some man was paid very, a lot of money in a, in a boardroom to yeah, come I, up with that. I deal with it in cocktail stuff all the time. It's yeah. like, oh, if you want a creamier mouthfeel, yeah. I'm like, no. I just find it to be gross sounding. Yeah. Like, to keep, keep that out of your, yeah, keep that out of your mouth. Uh, anyway, book feels when you touch a book and you like it. I don't know. Um, so I, here's my feeling about it. If you look at a certain book and you're kind of, like, embarrassed about it, that's when like I think Sean you should get rid of it. The Lonely City by yeah. Lady <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think that's when you should get rid of it. Um, 
maybe because you'll never read it. Maybe you're embarrassed because you bought it when you were bored. and you're, Or maybe it's like you spent money on it and you're like, why did I waste that money on that book? If you look at that book and it makes you feel, like, uncomfortable, then I think that that's when you know. It doesn't matter what's in it because it's like you're never going to pick it up because it makes you feel shitty. Like, it, there, I have a lot of clothes like this where I'm like, why did I spend all that money on this dress that I've worn one time or never? And I've gotten to where I just get rid of them because I look at them and they make me sad and, like, or embarrassed or, like, uncomfortable. And, like, I, you know when you're looking at something like that. And I have books like that, too, where I look at them and I go, I bought that thinking I was going to read it or I wanted to support this author. I wanted to do something and I'm just never going to fucking read that book. Or someone gave it to me and I feel guilty for not reading it. Don't keep a book out of guilt. Like, gotta, yeah. get, gotta get rid of that book. What do you think? Uh, this is a great one. Uh, good. This is a great question, and it's a hard one to answer if you're trying to get rid of unread books. For me, it's all about excitement. Um, if you pick up a book and the excitement of reading it gives you joy, then keep it. Like the, I, it's like a book's potential. Okay, you're doing the positive book's side, potential. not doing the me- negative side. Yeah. I'm like, this book makes me feel bad, whatever. But I'm like, but you're saying if it makes you feel good, you keep, keep it. it. Yeah, it's a book's potential energy. Like it, it, but <laughs> it's kinetic energy. Is it? It's, kinetic? I don't know. What is the one at rest and one is it? I think. Potential energy is when it's like swooped up, ready to be swooped up. (laughs) up. (laughs) Guys, can you tell I'm a scientist? (laughs) A degree in science. (laughs) You tell I'm a college dropout. Uh, So, uh, but maybe a few years ago, you went through a big phase of reading books about a certain subject, and you're just no longer interested in it. Maybe you don't care for the author as much anymore. Maybe you lost your taste for a certain genre. It's okay. People change. It's okay to admit you're not interested in a book anymore. If you pick up a book that's been sitting on your shelf and it doesn't excite you, just give it up. If you pick up a book and read the back and it still holds interest to you, keep it. I went through like a big weird stage a few years ago when I was really into like medieval Western arms and armor. Yeah. <laughs> And I bought like a bunch of books and read like two. And then a year later, I had to admit, I didn't was never going to read all those books about arms and armor. And I gave them to my friends. But I'm always buying fiction. And nine times out of ten, even years later, I'll see that fiction book on a shelf and I'll pick it up and read the back and think, ooh, I still really want to read this. That excitement keeps me makes it worth keeping. Without it, it's not worth it. Like if I buy a fiction book. A year later, I pick it up and I'm like, "Why did I want to buy this again? This doesn't. Yeah. This, this sounds boring. Give it away." That's the, that, and I, and I think time really does like play play a role in it because like it's been there and you don't feel the same way about it. You, the like initial excitement is no. lost. It's kind of like a boyfriend, yep. or a girlfriend, or anybody you're in a relationship with. With if it like after the shininess has worn off and you're still and you're not into them. You got to clean off that shelf. You got to take that book to a relationship retreat. You need to do some trust falls. Yeah, there you go. You're talking about like repairing it. I'm talking about just We're going to take that book out on a saucy date. Listen, we don't give relationship advice on this show. We only give book advice because neither of us know how to do relationships. No. People are always like, God, you found, you and Alan are so happy together. You found, like, you found your perfect weirdo. We just transformed our bedroom into a set from Twin Peaks. And I'm like, and they're like, how did you find that? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Love is like love is just like books. It's a lot of you like luck. You didn't find a perfect weirdo though. No, I, I found my like I found my soulmate. You found your freak soulmate. I totally <laughs> did, but I couldn't give you any advice on how to make that happen for no, you. It's, no, it's possible. But with books, you can game the system. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, books, you can just get rid of them, and honestly, they don't have feelings, even though I love to anthropomorphize them. Yeah, and with books, you can like listen to recommendation podcasts, and new books are coming out all the time. All the time, man. I mean, I guess new people are coming out all the time, but that's. A- well, but they're babies. <laughs> <laughs> don't date babies. If you take any advice away from this podcast, don't, don't date, date a baby. babies. Don't date a baby. <laughs> As always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. 
Uh, remember that you can always buy reading glasses, tote bags, and bookmarks in the Max Fun Store. There's a link in the show notes so you can show off your love of reading and help support the show. If you like us, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to gretta.com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share on, on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. You can always follow along on our book adventures using the general hashtag readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Thanks for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.